Hello there, and welcome to Secondhand Lore, a new podcast where we have fun discussing our favorite fandoms. I'm your host, Kyle Hughes, and with me today is my co-host, and dare I say it, good buddy, Tyler Liston. <laughs> Tyler, what's up, buddy? Hey, how you doing, Kyle? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm excited to get moving. This is episode one, man. I know. So exciting. So exciting. Um, yeah, this is our first official episode. Uh, for anybody who is just tuning in for the first time, if you are interested, we do, however, have an episode zero available on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We just talked for maybe about 20 minutes just to give an expectation for the podcast. So if you're not sure what we're going to be doing here, it may be a good place to start. Uh, but that's just me. Yeah. Do whatever you, get, you want. And you get I don't to hear more of our voices. So that's, it's, a, it's a win-win scenario. Or lose-lose. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but um, speaking of our episode zero, I do want to already make a correction to something I said in our episode zero. I want to apologize here. Uh, in episode zero, I referred to both myself and Tyler as elder millennials. And today I learned that technically I am not an elder millennial. I think I'm a mid to young millennial. Yeah. Tyler, yeah. any comment on that? Yeah. Well, uh, I, have, I have no comment, only to say that I am an elderly millennial. I think it's like 85 to 2000, something like that. And, you know, I'm right there. According to so. Siri, it's like 78 or 79 to 1997 oh, okay. well, or 99 I'm, I'm or something like that. So um, I'm, I'm the year of the Ghostbuster. So, uh, you know, I still <laughs> consider myself a, an elder millennial. And, and so do my hips when I try to get out of bed in the morning. Oh, God. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> Either way, I apologize to elder millennials out there that may take offense to that. So um, we're going to be talking about Knights of the Old Republic today, um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, that is, and that is one of, if not the most beloved Star Wars games of all time. Um, it's, it's such a classic game, iconic game, if you want to go that far. And to me, I, what makes it really special is that it's, it's a great story. It's got great characters. The gameplay was great at the time. It's a little dated now, but still not terrible. Um, and, you know, that was released way back in 2003, so it's totally, totally understandable. And I think it really set the bar for not only Star Wars games, but for a lot of games in general, a lot of RPG-type games. Now, Tyler, I know that you've played this game very briefly, yes. um, and it was uh, was not the best experience for you. You want to tell us about that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, no, I, I, never, I never played it uh, um, when I was younger. Um, I did enjoy RPGs a lot at that point in, in my life. I'd played, you know, most of the Final Fantasies at that point, you know, Chrono Trigger and some other uh, Dragon Quest and stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to Star Wars, I, I believe I had an N64 game. I don't remember what the name of it was, but I just remember you had to fly around and trip up the ATATs with, with your cable. But uh, oh, was it Rogue Squadron? I think it was. Yeah, that actually sounds cool. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but that's the only game that I really played. And um, so when when Kyle told me that um, we were going to be doing this episode, I had already bought it on Switch um, because one of the other podcasts that I listened to, Wizard of the Bruiser, they had a two part episode where they talked about this being one of the best games of all time. So I just thought, you know, it's 15 bucks. I'll go ahead and get it and give it a shot. And I, I lasted maybe an hour into it. Wow. Uh, yeah, I just, I can appreciate it for what it is, but the battle system in it, and you can, and we'll, we'll get into it later, but it's very, 
uh, D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast based combat. You know, you're essentially rolling a, a, a D20 every time you, yeah. you, you approach a, uh, uh, an enemy. And it just, it, it felt a little clunky and I know that it's a, almost a 20 year old game and, um, but uh, yeah, I just couldn't really get into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear Kyle talk about it. I'm excited to hear Kyle yeah. talk about it as well. Um, I, I think the, the one thing story-wise that really made this game stick out to me was that the, the developer, which the game was made by Bioware and Bioware and their writing staff worked really hard to come up with a story that was, in some fans' opinion, on par with the Empire Strikes Back plot twist mm-hmm. of Darth Vader being Luke's father. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that plot yeah. twist when the time comes. Actually, to set up the story to make this conversation flow as easy as possible, we're actually going to be doing a spoiler of that. So yeah. um, if anybody's not interested in hearing that, if they do want to experience the game for the first time, please take this as a spoiler warning. There are going to be major spoilers yeah. at the very beginning of this conversation today. If you've been on the internet at all in the last 20 years, you know what the twist is. Um, but uh, if you have, you somehow, know. if you have somehow kept away, if you've been in some guy's dungeon for 20 years, uh, you know, just warning you that it's going to be a spoiler alert. Yeah. But when that plot twist was as uh, revealed to me and I, I comprehended what was going on, it was insane. Mm-hmm. Did not expect it whatsoever. It was pretty crazy. Um, and Tyler mentioned the kind of the battle system that's involved. Uh, but another really big gameplay feature from this game that has kind of made its way into a lot of other games, both Bioware and others, there's actually kind of a morality alignment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And in the world of Star Wars, that kind of feature is perfect, given mm-hmm. the whole entire thing is basically light side versus dark side, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so in this game, you basically you know could create your own character and you kind of follow along in the story, but there's also lots of side quests you can do, a lot of other uh, characters to meet, places to travel, and along the way, you can make these choices to either do good things or bad things, if you want to keep it simple. Um <laughs> And, and doing good things would kind of, you know, move your, your alignment or your, your spectrum, you know, more in line with the light side. And eventually you could get, you know, a boost to some of your stats uh-huh. if you're fully aligned to the light. Or in the adverse, you could go full dark and do bad things and be greedy or evil, whatever you want to call it. And you could get a boost for having dark side powers. Mm-hmm. Or you could do like, you know, somewhere in the middle and be kind of a, what they call a gray Jedi but that's that's a whole different discussion. I don't want to go down the yeah, great. We'll, we'll get into it here today. in a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought that part of the game was really, really cool because um, I had experienced it in some games like Fable or um, even to a lesser extent, like Skyrim. Like uh, they don't have a bar that goes from light to dark, but your actions um, dictate how the NPCs react to you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, Dragon Age Origins was a fantastic game that I really liked. That was kind of like an approval based, um, uh, morality system. But, uh, I, I, when it comes to Star Wars and I, and I'm not a scholar, um, uh, on the subject, but it seems to me like the whole concept is how tempting the dark side of the force is, even to those who are all the way on the Jedi side. Um, there's, there's power and strength and certain things that you can do with the dark side that you can't do with the light. 
And I thought that was really cool with this game because there's a ton of decisions. Like every, almost every like dialogue option you have uh, moves that needle. And um, it's really easy as I was playing just for that first hour, it was really easy for me to just want to just start wrecking everybody around me. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the, the dark side is the quick and easy path, man. Yeah. That's where we get all that power and it's, it's kind of the, the easier thing to do, but it it's usually comes with a sacrifice or the expense. It comes at the expense of someone else. Yeah. And I, I imagine when you played this game, when you were a kid, that this was the first time you experienced something like that. And it just draws you into the game that much more. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the, the choice aspect and being able to maybe finish the game and go back and replay it and do the opposite of what you did before. Um, but I just, just from personal experience, this game has meant so much to me over the last, you know, 20 year, so years of my life. Um, it's the first game that I ever saved up my money for. Oh, really? And went out and, and bought myself. Wow. Um, I actually, wow. I had only had a PlayStation 2 at the time when this first came back in 2003. And I saw a commercial for this game on TV one day. And I was so just like sucked in from just the commercial. That not only did I buy the Wait, game, was, I bought myself an Xbox. I was gonna say, wasn't it an Xbox exclusive for a while? Or? It yeah, it was an Xbox exclusive when it was first oh, released. Wow. Yeah, I was so hyped up. I was thirteen, I think, at the time, and I was just like, I have to have this game. This looks way too good. Mm-hmm. And I remember saving my money, which for, for me at thirteen, that was a challenge. Yeah, I was yeah. too busy going to Casey's buying sodas and candy and shit oh, after yeah. school oh, every yeah. day. But I saved my money. I bought the Xbox. I bought the game. I it's kind of weird to say it, but I still remember how the Xbox smelled. It's oh, like really? a weird plasticky smell. Yeah. yeah. Um core core memory. Yeah. But uh I just I would I plug the Xbox in, I'd go up in my room, shut the door. I had like a little um kind of like a a cushion or it's like a pillow, but it was in the shape of the back of a chair. Oh like yeah. Oh, we've all, we all had those. Yeah. We all had yeah. those. Yeah. So I had one of those up against the back of my bed. I would yeah. lay on my floor so I could be closer to my TV. Yeah. Cause back then we had like, like 13 inch TVs, you know? It yeah. Was like... They're all like really low to the ground. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and I, I would put my feet up on the wall because I was too tall for the space to like lay <laughs> flat or the, like my TV was. So I put my feet yeah. up on the wall. Oh. And eventually, I think I, I wore the paint out or that my feet were because it just I sat and played that game for so many hours, so many times over and yeah. over again. Wow. So, yeah, I, I was really excited to talk about this. Yeah, no. I, and, and I'm glad you did, because like just hearing you talk about it brought up so many of those same memories for me. Uh, you know, when I first saved up my money and went and bought a PS2 and got Final Fantasy X and just sat on my floor for an entire Christmas break and like didn't shower or or eat anything besides potato chips and you know you just you just crush these you know you spend you know 50 60 70 hours just doing you know being a whole new person through a video game yeah by the way can't wait to talk about final fantasy 10 in the future that's a good one i i I mention it a lot because i'm currently replaying it and it's taking up most of my time that i should be sleeping so that you should be playing Kotor. I know, right? Yeah, I know. I was like, I it just I couldn't couldn't give it up. So, <laughs> so do you want to get back? Do you want to get into a little bit of the um, the continuity issues and the context of the story of Kotor? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so for, for today's episode, just for the sake of you know easing the the storytelling burden, so to speak, we're going to be uh, telling the story basically in a kind of a chronological order, and it's going to be mostly focused on the main character of the game. Um, so that's why we're going to be doing some spoilers at the beginning. It's going to kind of reveal some stuff that doesn't really come up until later in the game if you're experiencing the game in its kind of raw state. Um, and we're going to go over a lot of different stuff. Some of it's going to be high level. Some of it may be a little more detail. Uh, we're going to meet a lot of awesome characters along the way, but we're not really going to go too far down the path of talking about the side characters. We're going to focus really kind of on the, the main character and maybe a couple of the core ones that come mm -hmm. along for that story with yeah. them. Um, but hey, maybe we'll do some miniature episodes in the future about some of these other characters if if anybody's interested in that, and we can kind of have some breakdown discussions there. But yeah, I would um, be I would be happy to do a mini episode if someone gives me one thousand dollars cash. So if there's if there's anyone out there that wants to do it, we'll do it. I'll do a mini episode just because I like to. Because <laughs> you, you love it, you greedy bastard. Yeah. All right. So 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 the the main character of this game is uh, Revan. Is that correct? How you say it? Yeah, Revan. Okay. And and it takes place a long time before what the casual fan like me knows of Star Wars. Yes. Um, the original trilogy of Star Wars is kind of set in a particular point in this timeline of the Star Wars universe. And let me clarify, this is part of Legends continuity for those mm -hmm. who aren't really, really into Star Wars or haven't been paying attention since Disney purchased the, 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 the franchise. Um, anything that was written or published or released prior to the Disney buyout, except for the movies and mm -hmm. the animated, the Clone Wars TV show that came out in 2008 on Cartoon Network, um, everything else is what is now called Legends, meaning that that is now kind of like an alternate version or alternate, uh, universe of Star Wars where Disney now has kind of a clean slate to, to add their own stories. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't have to worry about stepping on the toes of all these other stories and, and finding kind of their, their space between them. Yeah, it's kind of, a, I, I used to work at Barnes & Noble and we had just shelf upon shelf upon shelf of Star Wars novels that all all of a sudden came out and had this Legends tag on them. And uh, But that's exactly mm -hmm. what they were. They were as if you were in the universe and someone was telling you a legend about an, uh, an, an, a knight of old. Yeah, yeah, so... They kind of form these two separate timelines, and they kind of intercede for a few things and branch off again. So, um, no, no Ray, no Kylo Ren, nothing like that in this particular timeline. But as Tyler said, yes, this this story happens approximately four thousand years before the events <laughs> of the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy uh, movies, um, and it's known as kind of like the Old Republic era. And it's been branched out on a lot from this this original game, and, and there's some comics and whatnot and novels. But mm -hmm. to kind of set the stage for the story and kind of the, the big picture background here, um, at this point in time in Star Wars continuity, there is a Republic. It's a much earlier version of what we see in the prequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the backdrop that we start with, or we're going to start with today, is a, a pretty big galaxy-wide conflict known as the Mandalorian Wars. Mm -hmm. um, Mandalorians are also part of the, now like the new Disney canon, uh, yeah. but they're a lot more fleshed out here. But the um, Republic is big, not quite as big as it is, but it's still big. The Mandalorians are huge, and they're kind of like this um, honor-bound 
war driven or, or or like conflict driven culture. They always re- they they always resembled like a samurai culture to me almost. Yeah, I guess the the key difference is like the Mandalorians like seek conflict. I feel like oh, samurais okay. don't okay. do that, yeah. but yeah. I they they just kind of seek to earn their honor through conquest. So also kind of Viking esque. Viking, yeah, yeah, that's exactly okay, where I was cool. going with okay. that. All right, cool. So um, this war gets started um, in the outer rims, like kind of the edge of the galaxy. Uh, but the Jedi, who are very prominent characters in all of Star Wars, don't really get involved at the time. Kind of the old trope of you know we're peacekeepers, we're not mm-hmm. warriors. They kind of try to uphold that, and so that's kind of what's going on. It, it's a it's a rough time. Um, the story of, of Night Shield Republic, as Tyler mentioned, revolves around our main character, whose name is Revan. Um, Revan is a Jedi, and he actually disobeys the Jedi Council and, you know, kind of enters himself into the war to aid the Republic to end the suffering of a lot of innocent people who are out there dying mm-hmm. and, and being displaced. He's followed by a large group of Jedi. Um, specifically, one of his closest friends is another Jedi named Alec. And another Jedi named Mitra Surik. Um, those are the two that are, I guess, more important for the story, but there's a lot yeah. more. There's a large group of them. Uh, but they kind of enter themselves into the war to help out the Republic and, and try to, to kind of bring some peace to the galaxy. Okay, so unlike the original trilogy and everything like where Jedis are scarce and in hiding, um, at this time there were a lot of Jedi, correct? Yeah, yeah, they're they're numbered in the thousands, I think. Okay, cool. Uh, don't 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 quote me on that, but they're not. <laughs> it's yeah, it, they're not <laughs> they're not defeated. They're not uh, old okay, men cool. and, and yeah. tiny little creatures on on backwater planets. <laughs> Young boys who have no training. They yes, are exactly. they are a fully okay. realized Jedi order. Cool, here. cool. Um, so Revan himself is not only a great warrior, but he's a tactical genius. And uh, mm-hmm. the Jedi that he bring into the war easily helped turn the tide, or I should say, do turn the tide. I don't know if it was easy, but they yeah. turned the tide of the war in the Republic's favor. Um, you know, they continue to wage these battles against the Mandalorians and kind of beat them back. And it all kind of comes to a head in a final showdown on a planet called Malachor Five. Um, okay. And in the in this battle, Revan actually challenges the leader of the Mandalorians who's named as Mandalore. And there's a lot of different Mandalores that we'll probably talk about in the future and this kind of stuff. But um, for this particular story, this is Mandalore the Ultimate is his name. Okay. Is Mandalore also the name of like their home planet or is that? No, I think that it's not called Mandalore. They have a lot of planets. I know I'm kind of rusty on my Legends continuity, but I know in uh, Disney canon, I I don't think that there is a planet called Mandalore. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I think I think they have other plans, but if anybody out there knows the answer to that for sure, and I'm wrong, please feel free to to call me on that. I <laughs> I just can't I can't quite remember that question. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Anyway, so they they have this single combat, um, and Revan wins. Surprise, surprise. And after the battle's over, um, Revan kind of learns a, what I would consider to be kind of a disturbing truth about the war from Mandalore. Um, and for now, we'll just say that the war really wasn't what they thought it was. It, it was something else, mm-hmm. um, kind of a, a mystery that unravels here. Okay. So uh, after the war is over, which, you know, it kind of ends after that battle, um, Revan and Alec go into the unknown regions of space to kind of investigate this mystery that mm-hmm. Mandalore kind of put on them. 
um, and kind of get some more answers about what why the war happened okay. and, and kind of what led up to it. Um, now, the character Mitra Surik that I mentioned, she uh, actually had become Revan's kind of like third in command, I guess, behind him and Alec, um, kind of like his, his general, so to speak. She actually decides to return to the Jedi and face judgment for disobeying them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just side note here, for those who don't know, Mitra is actually the official version of the main character in Knights of the Old Republic 2. Um, and she kind of gets her own game that oh, came cool. out a year after Knights of the Old Republic. So uh, maybe in the future, if we, we get um, inspired to do it again, we'll come back and we can do a KOTOR 2 yeah, uh, series cool. here. And we'll, yeah. we'll discuss what happens to her. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, now this um, Mitra is just another Jedi, um, correct? Yeah, she was one of the Jedi that you know disobeyed the Order and followed okay. Revan and Alec into the Mandalorian War. Okay. And kind of worked her way up into his his confidence and became one of his generals. Probably okay. one of his top generals, aside from Alec. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, Revan and Alec, they go off into the unknown to kind of seek out answers on, on the Mandalorian Wars. They're gone for some time, but they do return eventually. However, when they return, they are really not themselves anymore. So something hap- something happened to them out there. Yeah, something did happen to them. I'm going to save that for maybe another future episode as okay, well, just cool. for the sake of keeping it concise to the, the game here. But they come back from from their their uh, investigation, their exploration. They are now evil. Um, they they come back with a massive Sith armada at their command. And for those listening that don't know, the Sith are kind of like the opposite of the Jedi. They're just like evil. Evil versions of Jedi, um, but they are now Sith, and they have donned them. Or not donned, but they have um, given themselves new titles. Yeah. Uh, Revan Revan is now Darth Revan, and Alec is now Darth Malak. Okay, that yeah. Uh, now, um, for casual fans like myself, the Sith are the cool characters. You know, like <laughs> uh, like like the badasses, like Darth Maul. Um, you know, Darth Vader. Um, those are Siths. Yeah. So the Sith and the, the Jedi are they're kind of doctrines in their own right, mm-hmm. and they, they kind of are the opposites of, of that spectrum. We were talking about earlier with the light and the dark side. The Sith are mm-hmm. in tune with the dark side. They, they, um, they prize power, and they, they prey on the weak to get what they want, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Jedi are more of like the, the good guys, the heroes, your, your stereotypical mm-hmm. hero guys. Okay. So with them now returning to the galaxy, they unleash this massive attack on the Republic. So the Republic goes from fighting in the Mandalorian Wars, super quick break fighting in this new conflict that is uh, come to known it's come to be known as the Jedi civil war. Okay. Um, so Revan is the master and Malik is the apprentice, so to speak, even though they are both Jedi Knights before mm-hmm. fun side fact uh, in legends continuity, Revan and Malik being the master and the apprentice these are the actual. This was the inspiration for the rule of two that's talked about in, oh, um, I believe cool. it's the prequel trilogy. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Yoda and Mace. I think maybe uh-huh. Phantom Menace. They talk about how always two there are a master and apprentice, uh-huh. and they're they're saying you know which one was killed, referring to Darth Maul. Yeah. Um. So there's a there's another Sith Lord about a thousand years before the movie's named Darth Bane, and I think he found like a, a holocron left behind by Revan and. A holocron just kind of being like a, 
a fancy Star Wars recording or uh, information like, log. Like a, like a Bible. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay. And um, he interpreted Revan and Malik to be like the only Sith at that time, I, I believe. I, oh, I could okay. be off on that. but Yeah, this is incredible because it's so far back in history that, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, modern history, how, you know, we have no idea what actually happened 2000 years ago, but uh, this book says it was one way. So a bunch of people believe it. Right. Right. Um, but that, yeah, that kind of led to him establishing the rule of two where there's always just a master and an apprentice cool. of the Sith, but side, sidetrack there. Sorry about that. Nah, it's all right. So Jedi civil war is going on. Um, Revan being the tactical genius he is, it's, it's not going well for the Republic. Um, the Jedi are actually involved in this conflict this time. Um, seeing as that, you know, one of their own turned evil, uh, and they are working with the Republic to try to bring it into the war. Mm-hmm. Um, it's during this war that a young and up-and-coming Jedi named Bastila Shan um, becomes prominent. Uh, the reason for it is because she's actually gifted in a, like a force technique called battle meditation. Battle meditation is basically uh, a way where you can literally med- meditate and use the force to influence the minds of, of a large group of people in a large oh. scale. Um, in the in this story and in other uh, other stories, the application is you basically try to inspire the minds of your your allies while mm-hmm. disheartening your your enemies and just kind of control the flow and the the the, the energy, okay. so to speak, of okay. the battle and and just kind of help get give yourself an edge or your team an edge. Now, now, since you call this the well, not you personally, but since this is called the Jedi Civil War, was there like a division? Like so, like did they choose sides? Yeah. Um, during this time, it was very common to see Jedi defect the Jedi Order and okay. join with Revan's Sith okay. um, fleet or Sith uh, faction, if you want to yeah, call it that. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of back and forth. It, it was the Jedi turning on each other, mm-hmm. hence the name. So, um, but we're gonna we're gonna skim through a lot of that. Uh, we're gonna go to, I guess, what we can call. A, the, a big pivotal battle in the Jedi Civil War. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert um, coming up here. So Bastila uh, and a team of Jedi kind of set up a little trap for Revan and Malak, I believe. Um, Revan is on one ship, Malak's on another one. But uh, Bastila and her team actually ambush Revan and sneak aboard his ship and work their way to the bridge of the ship where Revan is. And their goal is to capture him or take him out or whatever. Um, and they, they fight their way to him, but before they can actually engage him directly, Malik being an opportunist sees this literal opportunity to eliminate both his enemies, the Jedi and take out his master Revan, making him the new dark Lord of the Sith. Right? So he does the Sith thing. He seeks the power where he can, and he uses his ship to bombard the bridge area of Revan's ship. Treachery. Yeah, treachery. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. This is the Sith way. You have one person who seeks the power from the guy who holds it to yeah. ensure that the strongest is always on top. Never trust a Sith. Never trust a Sith. Um, so he, he does this. Um, the bridge is fired upon. Lots of damage. Um, Bastila survives the blast. Uh, but Revan is gravely injured. Um, uh, Malik believes he's dead. But um, using the Force, Bastila is able to keep Revan alive somehow. And they're able to transport him off the ship. And they take him to a planet called Dantooine, 
Not to be confused with Tatooine. Tatooine. Even I know what Tatooine is. Yeah. Right. So Dantooine actually was mentioned in um, episode four, A New Hope, by Leia when she's being interrogated by Tarkin in the early moments. Of oh, the really? Game. Yeah. I oh. think she. I think they. I think Carrie Fisher pronounced it Dantooine in the movie because oh, they well, probably didn't have that worked out yet. Nobody knew what they were doing at that point. So. Right. Right. But kind of a cool <laughs> yeah. little callback to have this planet yeah, come back cool. in here. But on Dantooine, there is a, a Jedi enclave, and inside the enclave, there is a small Jedi council. Um, this council is separate from the main council that we see in the prequels with um, Samuel L. Jackson, Mace Windu, uh, mm-hmm. Yoda, and the, the room with all the chairs and stuff like that. Um, they they, they kind of have their own autonomous authority, but they ultimately do kind of report to Coruscant. So they bring Revan to the council, and they make this huge decision. Rather than imprison him, rather than and put him down and, and destroy the, the evil threat there, they decide to use Revan as a tool against Malak to try and end the war. So since he was a Jedi before, they thought that they could maybe like rehab him. And get him yeah. back to the light side of the force. That's exactly what they did. But okay. Re- okay. it wasn't so much rehab so much as they just gave him a fake identity. And he's kind of an amnesiac, or I guess he had amnesia, or I think they used yeah. the force to give him amnesia. So he didn't remember his past life as the Dark Lord. They basically programmed a new identity into him as a, a loyal soldier of the Republic. Wow. Um, and they just kind you know, of, the, the more you, the more you tell me about this, the more I don't like the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of do some shady stuff. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to jump in there, but go ahead. Go no, keep going. That's okay. So with, um, Revan and, uh, Basila having been, you know, so bonded by her literally keeping him alive with the force, it, it kind of creates a force bond between the two that they, it's going to surface later in the story, but. It's important mm-hmm. to kind of note it here, uh, but yeah, that's that's really kind of the setup for for the okay. game. Um, Revan is is uh, placed on a, a ship called the Indar Spire, and uh, again, you know, he's he's as far as he knows, he's a loyal soldier to the Republic, and that's that's where the game kind of kicks off. Yeah, and, and that's where like uh, from the very first second after the scroll goes by during the game you wake up and you are being attacked in this ship and you just woke up and you have to try to find, um, you, you got to try to find Bastila and you have no idea that you were a Sith Lord beforehand, but here you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they throw him right into the, the fray of it. Um, he's, he's on the ship he's trying to kind of get his head right. Cause I, I, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty confident that this is the first time he's wake woken up since they okay. switch his identity. Um, but he, he wakes up, he meets a fellow soldier um, that's stationed on the ship with him, and he kind of lets him know we're being attacked, and our priority is to save Bastila, like Tyler said. Mm-hmm. This other character's name is Trask, uh, Trask Olgo. Uh, Trask and Revan work together to kind of fight their way through the ship, um, and Revan's kind of obviously trying to piece it together. He's like, I don't know who you are. Trask is like, well, we work on opposite shifts or some yeah, throwaway line I like that. that. So, so do you think at that time that Trask was like in on it? Did he know, like, was he just playing his part? Or, uh, uh, did he know who Revan was or what do you think? 
it's really unclear. I don't think they ever really specified it, or at least I, I've never been mm. able to find a clear answer to that. Um, my gut is that he didn't know. He was he was uh, completely oblivious to the fact that okay. this guy was a plant, basically. <laughs> uh, and and there's some context in the story later, you know, when it's revealed, you know, this big this big thing that like nobody really knew. And so okay. I I can't I can't in good faith think that Trask knew, but all these other important characters didn't. So all that Trask knows is every time he comes home, he his buddy his roommate is asleep. Apparently, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of a weird okay. kind of weird it thing. It works. Hey, yeah. whatever, it works. Yeah. Anyways, so they kind of start working their way through the ship that's under attack by the Sith. Um and side note here too, the Sith of this era and the Sith Armada that Revan's leading or was leading now being led by Malak. They're not just guys in black robes with lightsabers. Um, they actually have like foot soldiers with blasters and they've got like battle droids and okay. things like that. It's like, a, it's like the Republic almost, you know, okay. it's, it's a much different Sith than what we are used to in the films. So keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah. So they had their, they had their own, uh, army essentially. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Okay. Yep. So they, they fight their way through these, these soldiers and whoever else, you know, that are infiltrating the ship, trying to capture Basila. Um, and they're just kind of taking their, I wouldn't, I don't want to say they're taking their time, but they're, they're definitely, you know, just trying to be cautious and, and kind of mm-hmm. get their way up to the bridge to try to find the leadership on the ship. Mm-hmm. So once they get there, they realize that Basil is not there and that she's not amongst the dead. So they kind of rationalize here, or I should say Trask rationalizes that, you know, if she's not there, she probably got to the pods. Uh, meaning the escape pods. Okay. And uh, they were able to kind of jettison away and, and get to safety. Like, so, like, like uh, hopeful or wishful thinking, maybe. Uh, probably a little bit of uh, wishful thinking is what I would call it. I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. So um, they're making their way to the pods and they're trying to get themselves off the ship now. And along the way, they are confronted by a either a dark Jedi or a Sith. Um, they're not really quite sure. Okay, I wanted to ask you about that. So, Dark Jedi are not Sith? Not specifically, no. Okay, okay. So, they're, but they are Jedi who kind of embrace the darker side of the Force. Yeah, so a Dark Jedi could be someone who maybe was trained as a Jedi and decided, I disagree with the Jedi Order or the Jedi Doctrine, and I would rather, you know, utilize the dark side of the force for my own purposes. Okay. But they don't ever specifically subscribe to Sith.com and their subscription or anything like that. <laughs> so okay. they're they're kind All of right. like they're they're kind of like a fallen Jedi that uses the dark side, but they're not specifically signed up with the Sith. Okay, so would this be maybe um, you know, someone at the very edge of the universe who has force ability? but they've never heard of the Jedi and they've never heard of the Sith, that they use the Force for their own gain. This would be kind of like that, or? I would say to the common person who maybe knew what a Jedi was uh-huh. and, then, and then saw someone show up with a red lightsaber or a wearing all black, you know, they could yeah, just say, yeah. just in passing, oh, that's a dark Jedi. Oh, okay, okay. But to me, I... What makes a dark Jedi is is someone who has a bit of that background knowledge, a bit of that background 
training. Okay. And just okay. fell from the order. But I suppose anything's possible. You know okay, what I mean? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, no, like, so they, they just, they walked away. To me, yeah, but interpret, interpret what you will from that. I, I think that the Dark, dark Jedi is a, a very, um, is ambiguous the right word? Yes, it is. Yeah, 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 it is. It could vary depending on the context is what I would say. But that's just me. All right, so, so Revan is, is heading towards the pods. Right, so they're heading towards the pods, and they're confronted by this Dark Jedi Sith, you know, whatever they are. They don't know. Mm-hmm. He's clearly targeting them, you know, and, and they're not going to be able to get around him without confronting him. But they, they can clearly tell that this guy's way, way beyond their ability to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Trask does the honorable thing, and he confronts the Dark Jedi by himself and instructs Revan to escape without him. Um, soon after, there is, I, th- I believe there's an explosion that causes the door between Trask and Revan to close. So okay. Revan has no choice but to continue on without him. Um, we don't ever see Trask again. It is presumed he's dead. Um, so mm. rip Trask. Thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> rip. Yeah, pour one out for Trask. Revan continues on uh, not to waste Trask's sacrifice. And um, kind of goes towards the pods. Um, along the way, though, he's, he's actually finally communicated with someone, um, or he receives a communication from someone, I should say, on a communication device he carries. Why they waited till now to put that into the story, I don't know, but <laughs> here, here we are. Because it, it's convenient. Right. So this person contacting him is another soldier on the ship named Karth Onassi. And Karth becomes a major character in this story, and we'll be talking about him a lot, but mm-hmm. uh, for now... Uh, he reaches out to them, and he tells Revan that he, Revan is the last living person on the ship. Actually, okay, I guess that does confirm Trask died. Never mind. That does confirm the death. Well, it, and also the death of the Sith. So it's like, if there's no other, if he's the only living person on the ship. Maybe the Sith dies. I don't know. I, I believe in my boy Trask. He took him out. Well, either way, Karth tells him that you're the last person in the Republic. Let's change it to oh, that okay. on the ship <laughs> who's living. Um, and Karth is really just waiting for him to get to the pods so they can go away. He does confirm that Basila did escape in the pods and that Trask was right. Cool. And he'll wait for Revan to get there as long as they can, as long as he can, but they, they do need to, to get away as soon as possible. Revan fights his way through more soldiers, eventually gets to the escape pods with Karth, and together they board the last escape pod and they jettison from the Endar Spire into the planet below. That planet is called Terrace, and um, the pod that they take lands in the what's called the upper city of Terrace. Uh, now, Terrace is um, it's kind of an urban planet, I would call it, and it's it's got mm-hmm. um, multiple levels. Uh, there, there's three: uh, the upper city, which is kind of like the upper echelon, where you can see the the sky, and you're amongst mm-hmm. a lot of tall skyscrapers. It's kind of similar to to Coruscant um, in okay. the, the prequel trilogy, like the capital city of the Republic, where it's just all buildings and it's like a giant city. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, but maybe not quite on a, a large or grand scale. This kind of this kind of reminded me of like Final Fantasy VII, where you have the lower class people on the lower levels and yeah. the, the higher, like the higher up you become like status or money wise, then you get to be on top. Yeah, you're on the like the plate of Midgar. Yeah, yep. Or the yeah. pizza, pizza in the sky, they call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like that. Um, now, Terrace has a, a middle level into it. It's called the Undercity. And and this is kind of an area that's um, you know, a little more run down. Everything is kind of underneath the the metal structures of the upper city, but you're also not on the ground level of the planet. Um, and then the, the third level is called the Undercity. Wait, did I mm-hmm. so I'm sorry. Upper city, lower city is the middle, and then under city. And then under city is the bottom. Yeah, that's the surf. That's the surface of the planet, um, okay. and that's that's kind of like you know the ground, and you're you're underneath everything, no natural light, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, we'll okay. talk we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Terrace as we continue on here, but uh, so Revan and Karst Pod crashes in the upper city. Uh, Revan is knocked out from the impact, but Karth is is okay enough to drag Revan from the wreckage. And they find like kind of a rundown apartment building, so to speak, uh, with an abandoned mm-hmm. apartment that they kind of use as a, a hideout. Um, the the planet is actually under the control of the Sith, and after the battle, they formed a blockade around the planet in the efforts of trying to find Basila because they they assume and they uh, because they didn't find her on the ship that she escaped and she she landed on Terrace. So, um, you know. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to ask you something about that too because. Um, this is just pure ignorance on my part, but can Sith or uh, Dark Jedi's or even the Jedi's themselves recognize other Force strong or Force trained people, like just by being around them, or is it more difficult than that? Like, like most, like when I read fantasy literature and stuff like that, like the magic systems make some kind of noise usually. And when someone uses a mat uses magic, it, it draws attention to them and like the bad guys can then recognize you. Is that, is that what happens with this? Like, can Basila just chill or is, are they going to find her eventually? You know, I, I think that that's a, a, a really big rabbit hole to get down. Okay. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's definitely examples of, of uh, force sensitive beings being able to detect other Force sensitive beings in Star Wars uh, media. Okay. Um, big example here is Luke and Leia do it in the um, the original trilogy. Yeah. I think at least once. Um, Vader and Luke do it in Return of the Jedi. Um, well, I, I know that Vader senses Obi Wan in that as well. Episode yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it, it's possible um, for narrative purposes. It doesn't come up. Okay. Yeah, but it, it may depend on distance. It may be kind of like a you know how strong in the force or how attuned to the force sure. are you to be able to do that okay. over a long period of time. Keep in mind, um, you know, Malik is I don't know if he's in the system at this point or if he's in like the space above Terrace, but mm-hmm. he 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 kind of enters the story here in a little bit. So there may not be a Sith powerful enough to really do that one shot, okay. you know, without any issues. But it also yeah. could be because. Okay. It's possible maybe she's using the force to kind of cloak her her signature that you're yeah, talking with that about. Battle here. meditation. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's possible, but it doesn't come up in the story at any rate. Okay, yeah. Okay. So uh Revan eventually kind of wakes up and kind of recovers. And he and Karth try to figure out what's going on and, and how to kind of escape their their current predicament, right? Mm-hmm. They agree that the priority is to find Basila and then escape the planet and get out of the um the blockade of the Sith. So they they kind of decide to set out into the upper city to explore, try to see what they can do, gather what resources they can find to help themselves. Um, and they they start to explore, and they're kind of incognito the whole time, but they're they're helping people along the way and, and kind of doing the good person thing where they can without making too many waves. Mm-hmm. 
granted, there are a lot of side missions in Terrace that are kind of varied in what they are, but we're not going to go into discussion about all that stuff. Yeah, they're, they're, they're your typical RPG, like, side missions or, you know, grind. Right, right. So they, they learned that there were more escape pods from the Endar Spire that crashed in the Undercity, which is like, again, you know, it's kind of the bottom level of Terrace mm-hmm. and, and kind of interesting. Um, all the people that live in the Undercity are actually the descendants of people who were once convicted of crimes on Terrace, and they were mm-hmm. banished to live in the Undercity. And so there's people wow. down there that have never seen the surface because they're the children of convicts, essentially. The, the sins of the father have been paid out on the children. Yeah, basically, okay. they devise a plan to try to get down to the Undercity to investigate these pods and see if they can pick up a trail for Bastila. All right, so they're, they're hanging out around the Upper City. They're, they're pretty incognito. Uh, to get to the Undercity, though, they need to first pass through the Lower City, which is that middle level mm. on the planet. However, they realize that the Sith have kind of blockaded or, or barricaded the, the, the way down. Um, they're not really letting anybody through that isn't uh, a Sith or or has the proper authorization. So um, they're not really quite sure how to get through them. They definitely don't want to start a fight and draw attention to themselves. So uh, they keep looking around. They ch- keep trying to find a lead. And eventually what ends up happening is they, they find uh, an alien on the planet who was kind of being bullied by the Sith and being investigated by the Sith. Side note, there are some experiences that you have on Terrace that suggests that the humans on the upper city are very racist towards non-human species. Kind of shitty, but... You know, they're the type of people that established a caste system where the, the lower classes never see the sun. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of shitty people. Yeah, makes sense. But um, anyways, they, they see this alien being bullied by these Sith soldiers. Um, they decide to intervene and do the good thing there. Um, breaks out in a fight, and the Sith are dealt with, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And we find out afterwards that the alien, who's an, uh, an alien called Nikolish, if you want to Google that, um, he thanked them for helping and revealed that he was uh, actually being investigated for good reason. Uh, he had coincidentally been stealing <laughs> uniforms of Sith soldiers so that he could supply them to gangs in the lower city um, to kind of pass as, as Sith. Uh, now, these gangs in the lower city are called swoop bike gangs, um, which is kind of like a motorcycle gang, but they use swoop bikes. Um, yeah, they look a little bit different in the game than they do in the Return of the Jedi, of course, and and the other you know media we've seen them in. But either way, um, he offers to give them to uniforms as a thank you for for kind of getting them out of trouble there. So they see the opportunity, they take the uniforms, um, disguise themselves as Sith, and they are then able to convince the guards uh, at the uh, elevator to let them down into the lower city. Oh, cool. Okay. So um, they go down into the lower city, and right off the bat, there's just gang violence all over the place. It's, it's a really rough yeah. place. Um, the two main gangs are fighting. Um, they're called the Hidden Becks and the Black Volkers. Uh, for time's sake, we'll just call the Hidden Becks the good guys or the good gang, and the Black Volkers are the bad gang. Yep, okay. But um, they kind of have to fight their way through some gangs, and they decide that the best place to kind of look for a way into the lower city, or I'm sorry, the undercity, is the local cantina because you know, yeah, <laughs> everybody knows in Star Wars the cantina is the place to get your information, right? That's where you get your information or where you get your arm cut off. Yeah, you gotta watch out for that. Sometimes that'll happen. When they arrive at the cantina in the lower city, um, their first witness really kind of more gang violence here. Um, some of the bad gang members are harassing a bounty hunter uh, named Kalo Nord. 
Um, Callow Nord's going to come back up in our story later a little bit, um, but he doesn't take too kindly, and he shoots him and kills him, and then he leaves. And that's pretty much it. Hey, it's what a bounty hunter does. Right. Callow shot first. Yes. They, <laughs> they kind of continue in through the cantina, and you know they see more bullying going on. Um, they see a, a, a young Twi'lek girl, or I don't know if it's Twi'lek or Twi'lek, but um, they're the ones that have the long kind of tails coming from their heads, and I think tailhead is kind of a derogatory term for them in space, Star Wars. Oh, okay, okay. But I don't know how else to describe them. Um, but she's she's there, and she's getting bullied by You're some... You're going to get canceled, Kyle. You're going to get canceled for your for your statements. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's our first episode. Anyway, so she's getting bullied by some some aliens, uh, but she's she's you know she's a tough girl. She doesn't back down. She's street smart. She's got a big mouth on her. She's talking mm. some trash, uh, but eventually she she calls over her friend named Zalbar. Zalbar is a Wookiee, much like Chewbacca. She calls him Big Z. Big Z, what so a Big do. Z. <laughs> Big Z comes over. He intimidates the shit out of these aliens, and they're like, "Uh, yeah, we're done. We're we're good. We're gonna leave." <laughs> um, but. After that, you know, Revan and uh, Karth, you know, approach this odd pair, and she, the girl introduces herself. Her name is Mission, Mission Veo. She's very friendly, uh, and she's kind of like this street urchin of sorts where she, she knows everybody. Mm-hmm. She kind of takes pride in knowing everybody and, and knowing everything okay. about what's going on in the Undercity. So she offered to help them where they could and just kind of made friends, um, and they asked her for information regarding, you know, these swoop gangs in the area and, and local power holders and, and ways that they can kind of help their own goals of finding Basila. So she actually refers them over to the, the good swoop gang, we're going to call them, and their leader, who's a good guy, um, kind of one of those honest thieves kind of dudes. Okay. Revan and Karth take her up on the information. Uh, they go and, and find these good gang members, and they, they meet up with them, um, and they realize that they can help each other. So there's a big swoop bike race coming in, uh, or coming up oh, soon, I go. should say. Yeah, so... Here they, we go. And it's against the, the bad, you know, uh, the bad biker gang. Yeah. And they, they want to win. They want the winnings. Um, and the leader of the good biker gang knows that um, in addition to the regular winnings, the other gang is offering up a Republic officer as a prize. Ah, oh, shit. Okay. Surprise, surprise. This is not actually a Republic officer. It's Bastila. Oh, okay. And they kind of piece it together that she was captured by this other swoop gang. And um, she's now, they think she's a Republic officer. They don't know she's a Jedi. And they're just offering her up as um, basically like a slave or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So it's, so they're, so they're pod racing for their freedom. Well, not necessarily. I know it's not pod racing. They're, they're pod racing for her freedom. Yes. But nobody else really knows that. But, you know, Revan and Karth, okay. and now the good, okay. the good, um, the bikers. So cool. the good bikers are like, you know, hey, look, to win this race, we're going to need an edge. We need you to break into the Swoop Gang base and steal a prototype, um, kind of like accelerator for a Swoop bike. And if you can bring it back, we'll put it on the bike and we will sponsor you as our driver or our racers. You can get yourself into position you know, at the race to try to break Basil out. And then okay. if you win the race, we get the winnings as well. So it kind of mutually benefits, you know, both us and you. So um, Karth and Revan seek a way to get into the, the bad swoop bike base. Um, and they're trying to avoid a head-on collision or like a kind of a head-on confrontation, I should say. Um, and so they're, they're trying to find a sneaky way in. Um, the leader of the, the good swoop bike gang refers them back to Mission, Mission Vale from the cantina. Okay. 
he says that she knows the undercity and the lower city better than anybody. If there's a if there is a secret way in, or a, a less direct way in, she'll be the one to know. So he says, last we heard, she went down into the undercity uh, with Zalbar. So Revan and Karth, they um, they go into the the undercity, um, and they actually had to get some papers to get past the guards there, mm-hmm. which they they just traded the Sith uniforms they they had from the alien up on the upper city. They traded them to the the good gang for their, these authorization papers that they had. I don't know if they were forged or whatever, but they they're able to get into the undercity and they kind of encounter the inhabitants there and kind of learn their their sad history of how they've never seen the surface and mm-hmm. all this the stuff. Uh, another interesting thing about the lower city is that it's inhabited by like a bunch of monsters and shit. Um, oh, really? Yeah, the most prevalent one is called Rack Ghoul, and it's kind of like this weird creature. Um, I don't want to call it. It's not bipedal, but it's or bipedal, but it's it's kind of like a weird hunched over little thing. Um, okay. And it it carries with it like a disease, and if you're you're bitten, you can get infected and turn into one. Oh, okay. So. It's like a big threat, and they have like walls built up around their little village to keep them out. Um, but when they we get down to this little village in the undercity, the the inhabitants say, you know, yeah, Mission and Zalbar came through here. They went to explore the sewers down here, and so they kind of point Revan and Karth that direction. So they they leave the village. They have to kind of fight their way through some rat ghouls or avoid them or whatever. Uh, and eventually, um, Mission finds them. She she kind of runs up to them in a panic. She's all stressed out, and they tell her, you know, calm your shit, tell us what's going on. <laughs> and she says that they were exploring the um, the sewers, like they always do, but for whatever reason, this time, they were ambushed by Gamorians. Gamorians being the little piggy guys from Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. Big, the big fat one. I guess they also show up in um, Book of Boba Fett and um, The Mandalorian. Okay. But those guys, yeah, so... Um, and, and Mission's upset because she knows that the, the Gamorreans are slavers and Wookiees are um, big ticket slave work items in the Star Wars world. They are highly slaved and it's... Yeah, high dollar stuff. Mainly because they're so big and strong that they can, mm-hmm. they can just do a lot more than the average uh, humanoid can. So Mission agrees to help Revan and Karth in exchange for them helping her free Zalbar. So they venture down into the sewers, um, which are kind of big, you know, big enough for you to walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they locate the Gamorreans in their little camp they have set up in these big sewers, and they kill them, and they rescue Zalbar. Um, Zalbar then pledges a life debt to Revan. Um, and oh, cool. Big, de- big deal for Wookiee. Uh, basically means he's yeah. pledging himself to be loyal to him for the rest of his life. So pretty cool. So the four of them now have teamed up. And uh, Mission has let them know that she is aware of a, a kind of a secret back door into the bad swoop bike uh, base. And um, they venture there. They kind of do their little computer slicing, hacking way in and um, yeah. kind of get into the base. And uh, they, they kind of sneak through the base and get into the uh, hangar where they keep all their swoop bikes. They find the prototype accelerator that the good guy or the good gang needs. Uh, but turns out it's being guarded. So of course there's a fight. Mm-hmm. Our our heroes win. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And um, they get the prototype accelerator and they bring it back to the Good Swoop Bike Gang headquarters. Um, so once they're back at the headquarters with the Good Swoop Gang, the the hidden backs is what they're called. If you've forgotten, 
Um, their leader kind of tells them what the plan is. And the plan is, is that again, Revan is going to, you know, kind of pose as their swoop bike driver. Uh, he's going to be using the uh, prototype accelerator to help give him an edge in the race. And uh, the goal is to win the race so they can also win mm-hmm. not only the normal winnings, but also they can rescue Basila, um, who they've been searching for this whole time. So uh, the following day, they go to the race and, um, you know, Revan kind of gets his bearings on what's going on. He does a couple of trial runs and uh, he does end up winning the race. Uh, but it's after the, the, the race is over when they are presenting the winnings that the leader of the bad swoop guy, bike gang shows up and kind of calls uh, foul or cries boo yeah. on Revan and the good swoop bike gang. And that's because he knows they're using the prototype accelerator that they stole from uh, him. Yeah. Okay. So he tries to back out of the, the race and uh, withdraws his offering of Bastila as a prize, basically. So, I mean, this whole time, Bastila is in a cage at, you know, at this race location, this racetrack. Mm-hmm. And she's basically just like unresponsive. She's kind of like in a vegetative state almost. But um, it's because she's got a, like a neural restraining collar kind of thing on her where it's just like okay. rendering her unable to function. Okay. This whole kind of confrontation happens where the bad guys are like, you cheated. And the good guys are like, well, you were going to cheat kind of thing, I think. But what <laughs> we the just big... cheated first and better. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, what happens next is kind of a surprise for everybody. Um, Bastila actually snaps out of her little trance. Um, and I don't know if she was faking it the whole time or if it was just like a moment of clarity that just was really well timed. But she's actually able to free herself. Um, <laughs> And she uses the force. They kind of figure out, okay, she's not just a regular soldier or yeah. officer or whatever. So uh, this big fight breaks out. Bastila and Revan kind of team up and fight the bad biker gangs, and they, they wipe them all out. Um, and then from there, you know, Bastila is like, you know, kind of a – I hate to say it. She's kind of a bitch to Revan, <laughs> like straight like straight up. She's kind of just like she's, – she's like – Criticizing his rescuing of her. He's like, you're welcome. Yeah. He's like, like I didn't know you could just snap out of your neural uh, collar yeah. you know, at an opportune time. She tells him he's like reckless and all this dumb yeah. shit. It's whatever. But <laughs> eventually she's kind of like, okay, fine, whatever. Revan says, you know, hey, I, I'm working with Karth. We kind of worked through this to get you freed. Let's go back and get you out of here. And she's like, oh, okay, Karth is working with you. Okay, maybe it's not all so bad. <laughs> so they leave to go back to the apartment that they had in the upper city with Karth and Mission and Zalbar. Uh-huh. And um, it's, it's kind of along the way there that Revan actually has a vision, um, a force vision that he doesn't really realize is a force vision, but that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. and the vision is of Bastila fighting some dark Jedi. Uh, and then also confronting Darth Revan aboard a ship. Oh. Unbeknownst to Revan at the time, but this is actually a memory of his resurfacing through that false identity that he's living as right now. Um, and it's, it's okay. of the confrontation of Bastila and, and Revan on his flagship before Malak betrayed him. Okay. So um, they get back to the apartment, and they're all kind of together, this new little team formed. Um, and Bastila was, again, kind of a bitch when she realized that they didn't really have a plan to get off planet. Kind of, kind of just thinking they had this whole thing planned out in advance, but yeah, fa- so failing she's to realize just that ungrateful. they're ungrateful. Yeah, yeah, she's just failing to realize that they're kind of having to make this up as they go due to the circumstances. Yeah. But 
Only now they're like really inconspicuous with a giant fucking Wookiee there with them. <laughs> right. Well, um, Basila kind of tells us a bit about what happened um, and, and how she got captured. Uh, her, mm-hmm. her pod crashed and she was kind of knocked for a loop, kind of like Revan, not really capable of functioning. Um, and I guess she had misplaced her lightsaber. Oh, no. Yeah, she's particularly kind of embarrassed about that. And Karth, you know, gave her shit about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what he said was, how do you lose your lightsaber or something like that? But yeah. Um, eventually they, they kind of, everything's deescalated. Revan kind of tells him, you know, Hey, we need to focus on getting out of here. Let's, let's work together and we'll worry about this stuff later. They're getting ready to leave. And, and Revan tells Bastila about the vision that he had right before they, they got back to the mm-hmm. apartment. And Bastila says that, you know, this is a sign that you may be force sensitive. And clearly he has some skills, despite the fact that she's ungrateful about them being used. <laughs> um, she suggests that, you know, once they're free, they travel to Dantooine to talk to the Jedi and see if maybe he may warrant Jedi training. Now, this is a dumb question because I didn't get this far in the game. As Darth Revan, was Revan wearing a mask or like, how does she not recognize him? We'll talk about that in another episode. Okay. Okay. All but right. No, all he's, right, he's, right. what I'll tell you today is he's not wearing a mask. He is. Dressed as a normal person, faces completely visible. Okay. I guess maybe it's because when she confronted him on the ship, when he was still evil, he was wearing a mask then. And so she, oh, didn't, okay. she didn't see his face. Yeah, yeah, so she didn't see his face. Okay. Yeah, for those listening, um, you know, we'll probably have some photos posted on our socials about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure, but yeah. Revan, Revan wears a mask um, in his exploits during the Mandalorian Wars. And also as his uh, turn to the dark side. So um, we don't really have like a, a version of his face that we see. Um, in, in his visions? Yeah, but in the game, okay. th- I guess there, there is technically a, a canonical choice, if you want to call it that. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, yep. But he, um, yeah, so she says, you don't, we need to talk to the Jedi and see if maybe you should be trained as a Jedi. Because this is clearly signs that you, you have the ability to use the Force. So. Uh, they decide to go out and, and kind of find their way off planet, right? Um, they don't get very far out of their apartment before they're stopped by a messenger who says that a man named Candorous Ordo wants to meet with them in the upper city cantina. Um, separate from the lower city cantina where we saw Calo and, and Mission and Zalbar. Um, they don't know exactly why, but they decide to go to the meeting anyways. Um, and Kind of a side note here, I forgot to mention it earlier, but they actually had kind of encountered Candorous earlier while they were in the lower city. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's an um, he's kind of a, uh, I guess, an enforcer, or oh, you can almost kind of call him a bounty hunter, but he's Mandalorian, for one, something to keep in mind. Okay. Um, and he's, he's working for a local crime lord named Davik Kang, and we'll talk a little about him in a second, but. Um, they kind of encounter him. He didn't really mess with them. He just kind of was doing his job and went about his business. Um, but they, they go to the cantina, they meet up with him and he kind of says, you know, Hey, I know that you were the ones that were responsible for what happened at the swoop, uh, track and in that fight that broke out afterwards. I was very impressed by your, your skills. And I was, uh, curious to know if you'd be interested in a proposition that I have for you. So this proposition that Candorous has. It is to um, get off planet, really. And uh, the idea that he has is to steal the ship of his employer, Davik Kang, mm-hmm. 
and the ship is called the Evan Hawk. The Evan Hawk is kind of the Old Republic's version of the Millennium Falcon. Even kind of looks similar if you if you look at the two together. Okay. Um, it, it's a kind of a cargo freighter, similar style, similar class, similar name. Evan Hawk, Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. The Elder Millennium Falcon. Yeah. There you um, go. But I, I get you know Candace had really not been happy working with Davik. I guess Davik had sent him on some pretty shitty missions and he was like the only survivor kind of thing. So he was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Davik's an ass. I don't want to work with him anymore. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll screw him over, steal a ship and get off planet and go do something else. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with their interests kind of being aligned and, and being able to help each other out, they agree to help Candorus with his plan. Uh, before they can really steal the ship, uh, Candorus says that they need to make sure that they can, um, get past the Sith blockade before they even try to leave the planet. Oh. And I, I don't remember exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, um, like, the blockade has, like, some just automated weapon systems on the ships that are there mm-hmm. that'll target anything unless you have the right, like, passcodes. Okay. So that they don't shoot at them. So Kander says, I know where you can steal these passcodes. There's a Sith base on the planet here where they're kind of holed up. Um, you can break in using those skills I saw on display after the swoop bike race. Uh, you shouldn't have a problem breaking in there and stealing these passcodes. So um, they agree, but they, they need a way to kind of slice and hack their way into the base. So Kander sends them to a droid shop to pick up a droid that's being custom made for Davik, uh, which is just another way to rip him off, basically. Sure. Um, okay. th- this droid was being made with lots of like high, highly sophisticated slicing and, and hacking technology. You know, the guy's a mm-hmm. crime lord, so it makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they go to this droid shop and they buy this droid, whose name is T3M4, who's the R2-D2, so to speak, of, of the story. Okay. Uh, he actually is a pretty important character for all of the, like, the Old Republic stories that we'll see, but this is where we meet him for the first time. And they, they go and purchase him, and then they go over to the Sith base on Terrace, and they kind of sneak their way in until they can't sneak their way in anymore, and they do end up having to fight their way through, as with most of the places they break into. Um, they do eventually fight their way to like the main office of this, this embassy or this, this, um, base, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And they, f- they kind of fight the leader of the Sith there and, uh, take him out and they take the passcodes from his office and head back to find and meet up with Candorus. So they meet up with Candorus again, back at the upper city cantina. Uh, Candorus lets them in on the next part of his plan. And that's to kind of bring some of them into Davit Kang's estate where he has all of his little crime operation going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be posing as recruits to kind of, kind of let the guard down for a minute to get them inside. Revan and Basila go with Karth. I'm sorry. They go with Candorus. Mm-hmm. They send Karth back to the apartment with Mission and Zalbar and T3M4 to wait for them. And they go and they meet with Davik, um, you know, posing as these recruits. And Davik says, you know, you know, let's go take a tour of my facility, and then, you know, we'll just kind of do some background check information on you, make sure everything's in order, mm-hmm. you know, standard procedure kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he gives them a tour, unknowingly telling them exactly where the Ebon Hawk is and how to steal it. Um, and um, <laughs> he, he kind of leaves them in like a little room, says, you know, here, relax, make yourself at home. I'll come back to you when everything's good to go. Yeah. Um, and, of course, while he's gone, they sneak out, um, sneak their way to the hangar, uh, with some fighting along the way, of course. And um, it's while this is happening that the you know, kind of the, the whole kind of landscape of what they're doing changes. Okay. Prior to this happening, you know, sometime during these, these events on Terrace, 
Darth Malak arrives outside the planet in orbit on his ship, and he is, you know, just kind of relentlessly working with his his uh, armada and his, his um, henchmen to apprehend Bastila because he wants to find her and capture her or kill her or whatever. Yeah. Um, he hears about the events at the swoop bike race and how Bastila was in their control, but then she escaped. Oh, okay. He's like, yeah, that's got to be her. Right. And so he realizes with her escaped, she could be anywhere. I can't keep waiting on this. We have to do something now. So he gives the order mm-hmm. to bombard the entire planet and basically destroy every living thing there in the effort of killing Basila. Holy shit. They didn't have a Death Star okay. or anything at this point, so the best they could do is just Fucking bombard it. Genocide. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the Sith start their bombardment while they're in Davik's, Davik's estate kind of working their way towards mm-hmm. Devon Hawk to just kind of get and go and, and flee the, the planet. They don't really start noticing it, though, until they get to the hangar where the Ebon Hawk is, is uh, currently um, stationed or parked or whatever. Um, but they show up and um, they start realizing that, you know, the building's starting to crumble around them. And then there's taking yeah. lots of blaster fire, not even blaster fire, but just cannon fire, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and coincidentally, at the same time, Davik shows up with Calo Nord, who's kind of like his number one bounty hunter. Um, that he keeps on a retainer there. Yeah. And the two of them kind of see what's going on. They see Revan and Basil and Candorus, and they think, oh, okay, so you're going to try to steal my ship, huh? While this this shit's all going on? Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So they get into a big fight and a shootout, um, and in the, the fight, um, Davik is killed, and uh, Kahlo is still standing, but he's um, he's outnumbered. And he kind of sees that he's not really in a good spot to win this fight. So rather than let them kill him, he decides he's going to kill himself and take them all with him. Oh, shit. Yeah, he pulls out a thermal detonator. And he says, you know, I'm taking you guys with me. Um, but before he can actually um, ignite the detonator or, or throw it at anybody, um, the Sith bombard the roof of the hangar. And a big chunk of the support metal comes down and crashes on Callow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, his employer is dead. Like, he could have just been like, okay, cool. <laughs> Don't kill me. Like, I we're just, done. I yeah, want to find done. another job. I'm good. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, exactly. He's a dick. But, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Candorus and Basil and Revan see their opportunity. They get in the Ebon Hawk. They make a beeline back for their apartment, pick up uh, Karth and Mission and Zalbar and T3M4. Mm-hmm. And they, they make for um, the space around Terrace to escape the, the bombardment and the blockade. Um, so the passcodes work, they get away from, or they get past the, the automated turrets, all that kind of good stuff. There is a small, um, kind of dog fight between the Ebon Hawk and some Sith fighters though. Mm-hmm. Um, Revan of course takes the spot in the, um, the, the turret gun, kind of like they have in yeah. the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, exactly. And okay. you, you, you get to shoot all the little fighters down okay. while Karth and Basil are piloting, so. Um, they kind of clear the fighters and get themselves uh, clear to jump to hyperspace. They plot a course for Nantuin and they make the jump. I think that is where we're going to stop for today. Wow. I've been rambling up for quite a bit. It's all right, man. Hey, uh, so so to recap, let me do a little quick recap sure. here. So um, Revan um, has awoken as someone with no memory of his past. Um, he is his ship is being uh, attacked. The Jedi leader of his ship has already bailed, and so he bails too, and Pod races, wins her, and um, they steal a ship, and now he's a 
group of five. I think, right? I think six. Because we got the Wookiee and, and Mission and, and the droid. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, they are able to escape Terrace. Yeah, that's right. They're headed to Dantooine um, on Bastila's recommendation that Revan meet with the Jedi Council and see if, you know, they may be interested in training him to become a Jedi. Ooh. So, the only thing I would add is that uh, Revan, it's not that he doesn't have a memory, it's that his memory is fabricated into being a loyal Republic soldier. Oh, okay. So he he does have a, a memory, it's just not real. Yeah, it's it's a fake memory. It's and it's it's surface level memory, you know. Just to those fucking Jedi. Yeah, just to get him by to kind of get him through, but Okay. Yeah. So so in our next episode we're gonna head to Dantooine and uh this meeting with the Jedi Council and and Revan. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna see how that's all gonna unfold and um We'll get into some um, some more background of, of the overall story and what's going on a little bit, I think. Okay. And kind of take the next step of, yeah. of, of what happens next. So we'll see. I don't know that this will all be wrapped up in two parts. This may be a three-parter. I don't know. But um, that'll be the plan. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated. I, I love hearing about it. And as just a casual fan... Uh, being able to dig into these stories that I know nothing about has been, it's, it's a lot of fun. I uh, appreciate you listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But believe me, we've, we've already talked about this, but there will be episodes where uh, I I do most of the talking as well. So um, it, it, it happens. Kyle is passionate about star Wars. He's passionate about this game and I just love listening to you. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and, and kind of wrap up today's episode then. Um, first off, I want to thank everybody for listening to our first official yes, episode. thank you. Thank you. Again, if you want to, we do have an episode zero available now for you to go listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could find Secondhand Lore on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as of now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are working to expand that, but for right now, just trying to focus on getting some episodes done. We'll let you yeah. know. Um, you can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can find us at Secondhand Lore on both Twitter and Instagram. We did get our handle, just as the name is. Hey, hey. And on Facebook, it's Secondhand Lore there as well. Uh, feel free to reach out, send us any messages, comments, concerns. Uh, please you yeah. know, rate, review, and subscribe um, wherever you yeah, want to listen to Yeah, tell us where we fucked up. Yeah. Please let us know if you have any corrections or if you want to add any fun yeah. context or if you have any questions or any yeah. suggestions or any kind of fun yeah. fun things to talk about. This whole podcast is 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 us telling stories and that's yeah. you know anybody that can join in and, and help us with that we welcome it. Definitely. All right, Tyler, anything else you want to add before we sign off here? That that is it. Uh, we'll be talking to you next time and I'm, I'm excited to get to Dantooine. Me too. All right, thanks everybody. Take care. All right, bye. <laughs>